Good morning, welcome to the SNH Farm Supply High School Highlight Show. We're part of our Route 66 podcast, and uh, this is the first for me, gentlemen. And I've, I don't know that I get I, I, my eyes may have been bigger than my stomach here as I start this off, but I've got uh, uh, some coaches from around the area who I know you'll be very familiar with from Missouri State in his uh, 38th year, Coach uh, Keith Gutton. Coach Gutton, thanks for coming today, and uh, uh, one of two coaches in the history of Missouri State University and to his right, uh, one of two coaches in the history of Jury University, Scott Nasby, and uh, two coaches that I played against, and, and Coach Davis and, and Coach Harley. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, being part of this today. Thank you. Good to be here. And it's, you know, we've spent already 15 minutes here visiting and, and just, you know, talking about, you know, the current situation in baseball with the Cardinals, and I know there's Cardinal fans here, maybe some Royal fans here, but uh, it's it's a nice time to kind of get ready to go in the blue and gold. Winter's getting ready to kind of get full force on us, but a little hot stove talking, it's always fun. And I know you've got Cardinal fans here for the most part at the table. <laughs> I know I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Dodger fan, but Cardinal fan now. It better be. Dodger fan. Yeah. Grew up in Los Angeles. Okay. But okay. my wife's a Cardinal fan, so that means. And your kids will too. My kids will too. Right. Our son got kicked out of the living room one day because he was rooting for Kershaw to strike Yachty out. <laughs> and so my wife sent him to another room. So you're going to root against Yachty and you're going to leave the room. You got the right wife. <laughs> Excellent parenting record. I'm, I'm a failure as a parent. Totter's a Reds fan, so it's better, yeah, it's better than the Cubs. Well, at least I don't have to worry about it. And he knows Except that. this year, maybe. That worm may turn. Well, you've got a lot of things going on. The Cardinals just signing the, the KK. As I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. The lefty from uh, Korea, who's you know 94 to 97. Good, his middle name didn't have a K. Yeah. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> he's left hand from the left side, 94 to 97. He's he's only walked 68 batters in 400 innings. But you know, there's just so much talk here prior to the game, prior to the going live here that uh, post game pizza in Ozark. Uh, just some of the thoughts of what what's kind of going on money wise in in, in in baseball right now. Can they continue this? I mean, Garrett Cole, three hundred, he, he got a million dollars for every strikeout. Yeah, he's got three hundred twenty-four million nine nine years. Coach Gutton was saying, "Who do you know in your life you would hire for nine years?" Anybody. Anybody. Give a nine-year contract. No matter what type of business you're in, there's got to be some depreciation going forward. I, you know, I just going back to Albert Pujols. At the time, I think the fans were really on the side of the ball club because he could have ruined payroll for a long time. And in that game, whose skills aren't going to go downhill in 10 years? I mean, and he's been a good player for the Angels, but he hasn't been an MVP. He plays with one, but uh, I mean, that, that the money they were talking about back then, I would have said, make him the highest paid player in the game for four or five years. But I think he. He wanted more, and he wanted length for whatever reason. But think about it like this, guys. <clears throat> You've been a legend in St. Louis in a very prominent, great tradition franchise. Say you, he would have played five more years at $25 million, okay? So money wasn't a factor. Would he have paid for one thing the rest of his life in St. Louis? Anything. Yeah. Yep. Uh, David Freeze can't pay for a beer there now, so no. you can imagine 
what Albert would have. Yeah, it's just, but again, they, will we're embra not, they embrace you. We're not in their shoes, right. and everybody has a little bit of an ego, and he wanted what he wanted. Well, he got it, and I don't know that he's. Everybody was speculating where Cole was going to go, and who, and Kenny Rosenthal, I remember on MLB one morning, said, here's where, what Garrett Cole's going to do. He's going to go where they offer him the most money. Most people do. And there you go. Well, we're not privy to what the Cardinals offer Pujols. I mean, the exact offer. Uh, he could have chose, I mean, all of us sitting around the table, how much is enough? I mean, if I offered you five more years on top of your current contract for 5000 less, it would depend on her. It depends on how happy you are. I mean, he could have chosen to, to have been another stand the man because that's what he would be now with a statue and everything. I think you can also look at it where the Angels were willing to overspend in years 6 through 10 or whatever it was with the hopes of winning in years 1 through 5 and it's backfired because they have to trust. You know, they haven't won a title. They haven't really been in the postseason much since he's been there at all or at all, right? They've been in the postseason since he's and I think yeah, they, they were in once. Well, got, got swept by the Royals. Royals. Yeah. And, and, and so you even look at the Yankees, and the Yankees have more money than everyone. But, you know, as Cardinal fans, if you said, all right, Albert can be on the team and we're going to be really good for five more years, <coughs> but we're going to have to take our lunch from years six through ten, you know, I think those that's a difference in a couple different ballparks. That's what Coach Gettin was saying. The fans kind of There's an expectation in St. Louis that you're competitive every year. You they know, can't tank. No, it's not going to roll. And they they had three million people a year for however many years. There's, there's high expectations there. The yeah. bar is high, and you know you, you know the, the GM takes criticism, the president takes criticism, but it's not their money. It's ownership's money. Yeah. It's ownership's right to do what they want, and you know we're all still going to be fans. Doesn't mean we're going to pay to go there and watch a game and pay thirty dollars to park, and you know ten dollars a beer, which I don't drink. But, I mean, they're carrying people out of there in 100-degree heat. Yeah. They've had more than one. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Well, it's just it's it's crazy to me to think of, of all the money that's being spent. So you go back to when you got started coaching, when I was kind of playing there in the mid-'80s. Guys were – I mean, Mike Smith was the first million-dollar guy. Smith. And now you've got $100 million guys and $300 million. Well, that bought a little more back then, too. Yeah. Okay, that's 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 correct. I mean, ten thousand dollars a pitch right now. Yeah. Mike Hampton got eight years. Mike Hampton got eight years, and everybody went crazy back with you know, a nice lefty, not a great lefty. Great hitter. But yeah, a great hitting pitcher. How many years did he last healthy? I don't. Less than five, I'd say. Yeah, and I mean that's what's going to happen. You know, the other thing, they have all this information. They have everything about every guy. And every free agent since free agency started, and you know, some of the clubs don't want to mess with it. It's not worth it for them. If they're small market or mid market clubs, they feel like they can get some value in trades or through development. They've all got the same metrics now. They've got, I mean, we get the they just is, have different, different trash cans. Oh my gosh, yeah. They, I, I think that that's probably the difference in the game now is the metrics part because of the criticism that the media. The, the spotlight that you're on, my goodness, you better know, you better have a darn good reason why you're given. I was on Twitter the other night looking at Pujols' stuff. You know, he's not even in the top ten American League. <coughs> 
by stats now. Because the stats have enlarged so much, it's his, not as simple as the eye test. Well, yeah, his legs are in terrible shape. The, the well, body least, is just... At least he went to a place where he could possibly DH. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. he didn't... I mean, that was not part of the discussion when he signed. He wanted to play for his base. We're evaluating guys now on spin rate, launch angle. I mean, everything has advanced. Baseball is such a measurable sport compared to some of the others. And I heard an argument on the MLB yesterday about the catcher of the decade. And it was pretty clear. It was Buster Posey over Yachty. And it's this constant argument with, for Yachty fans is that He's such a good leader. He's such a good handler. He's good at the stuff you can't, can't measure. measure that. Exactly. You can't measure. You look at Buster Posey, who's got much better offensive stats over that period of time. I think the question is, from a management standpoint, which one would you rather have? Exactly. Which one would you rather have? You know, they both, both teams have had success. Molina's played 300 more games as catcher in the decade than Posey has. Somebody else say, well, that's great. Posey's first of all. He can play first. Okay. But for St. Louis, the personality matters. Though. I mean, that's going to be a tough gig replacing him. Oh, yeah. And yeah. A Buster Posey could not replace a Yachty because of the lack of the skills that we're talking about, of leadership. There's a lot of guys who can play first base. That's where we all send everyone who can't play anything else. Yeah. Wait a minute. I Dave played first base. Hey, so was I. You can play more. Okay, first coach, side. then I, I'm okay. I'm okay. But, but, but you better be able to hit. Yeah, yeah, you better be able to hit. That's right. I was. I grew up in the, in the 60s when if you're left-handed, you left you, I throw left. So I had, you were Wes Parker. Yeah, I was Wes Parker. There we go. I, I wasn't as rich as Wes Parker's family. Huh? A lot, of people, a lot of people listening don't know who No, well. I think he guest starred on Mr. Ed once. I, I think so. Seriously. Yeah. I'm going to watch that show. I think I'll make it. We should make it up. West Parker is, and I didn't watch Mr. Mr. Ed. Was Nasby's over course. here. He's yeah. too young for West Parker reference. Uh, Dave was I think more fond of Bill White. Bill White, yeah. I think we should drop as many names people <laughs> that are of a certain age will not recognize during this podcast out there in listener land just to show how well, really old we are. They probably won't recognize me. I haven't coached in a long time. So who's that old guy that they <laughs> Yeah, I was talking to my father last night, you know Should have got him on here, guy. he was he was gonna come, but he was like you know, he's he's talking about Jimmy Gummersbach and Joe Gummersbach and Poli and guys in, in that St. Louis area that he played against so he played with uh, Hoffmeister. And the old county lake. Yep. And you know, behind miney fields and things like that was I heard so many stories about that last night. It was just tremendous. Isn't there? Well I was this is post high school playing up there in the summer. There were two fields. Period. Heine Miney and ABC. ABC was in Overland, off Natural Bridge, I think, and you know where Heine Miney is, right out near River de Pair. That was it. And you thought they were good. Yeah. The fields. I played at Nichols. There was no grass. We were fine. Now there's no dirt. <laughs> there's no dirt. And the catcher, the catcher had the backstop. There was barely room for the ump to stand behind a it catcher. It was like sand. Call a game. You didn't you have to block the ball. Off. Yeah. You didn't want to go in that yard and get that ball. Oh no, into. no, that's true. A lot of things could happen. Oh, that, but there's good memories at Nichols. Yeah, yeah. Was there high school games? Oh yeah. Oh, are you kidding? Legion ball, high school ball. We played there. We coached there. John and I coached teams that played there. Coach in '85, you sent Brian back to play for me. Oh. 
and because he was young enough to play in Legion Ball after he graduated. That was a good asset. For we're him. out there playing Glendale yeah. that night. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And Todd Eddington was going to be pitching for Glendale. Had a good arm. Had a good arm, all of 84. Now, and which is going to lead to another question in a minute. But Brian just looked at me and winked. And on the second pitch Eddington threw him, he hit it in the right center field tennis courts. And as he rounds second, this is before you're supposed to be talking crap, Buff says, he's screaming at me. Hey, you. I told you that 84 wasn't going to reach the catcher. <laughs> and This I was think, after a year of college. That was after, he didn't get it from me. I'm no. thinking he must have got that from you. No, no. But that, in today's world, where we're seeing, like Guy said earlier, about 97 to 99, I really have to ask you, at the professional level and even at the college level, are the guns different than well, they, what we when we started? We had the old radar gun back then. That's it right. Was, it was slower. It was slower. Oh yeah. So the guns. It's changed, but I mean, there's so the, the year-round training now, uh, the science, the mechanics, weight training, everything, nutrition. Yeah. yeah, everything. I mean, guys are throwing harder. That's why guys are striking out more. Also, the ability to find those guys is a little bit, a little bit easier now. Reference to social media and video, and, you know, put stuff on the internet. And those guys who maybe were in some small town that no one ever saw them throw, and they ended up working on the farm or doing something outside of baseball. Those guys, they're not hidden anymore. Everyone can they're find easy them. to find. You can What's find, harder to find? You can find is, pitching. Yeah. Can you find Greg Maddox now? We found Nick Petrie. That was a once in a lifetime there. And he, but you know what me, I'm saying? Was, oh yeah, guy you're not going to pop the uh, radar gun. You're Petrie not gonna, to me the, was a college Greg Maddox. Yeah. Okay. He could just pitch. He had life. He couldn't run off. He was a great fielder. Threw a lot of strikes. And, uh, How he, hard does Trevor throw? Trevor uh, he's ninety-one. Yeah. So he's, he doesn't pop the gun. Oh, plus, no. plus, plus, no. changeup. His changeup is eighty grade. So I mean, he had not bad against uh, uh, some guy for the Astros. I actually went back uh, on my MLB TV to watch it this past year because he pitched against him at uh, at the Astros Park. And he threw 12 straight changeups, and so I'm I'm like close to the speaker, listening to the trash can bang to see if they were tipping against him, and they're striking him out. But if you're 12 straight straight changeups, I think if you you know if your changeup moves enough, you can tell him what's coming. Yeah, doesn't matter. I saw Petrie strike out Brandon Champagne with the prospects three times in a row at Meadow Park, primarily with changeups. He's a junior in high school at Clinton. I'm going. This this guy's got it. But was he, was he the kind that a lot of people weren't on? Were there not many coaches on him because? He wasn't very big, Dave. But if you watched him pitch, he had the presence almost of a big leaguer. Just the way he was on the mound, the way he kicked the bases, fielded his position, threw three pitches for strikes. And it's, I'm not saying we were sold 100% the first time. I mean, you, would, you had to project. And then he ended up having Tommy John after his senior year of high school. So he didn't, his whole freshman year he rehabbed, and then he was pretty special. So we were both watching the better that day. You, you had him fairly quick to campus, and whenever you had him for a visit, I got him to stop on Drury Lane where I introduced myself, but he didn't get out of the car and let me know he wasn't coming here, and then just kept driving <laughs> He back told me car. years later, I didn't know this at the time, was, <clears throat> I, I'm almost embarrassed to say we got him at a pretty good rate, shall we say. <laughs> and he said, yeah. Uh, there was some, like, uh, there was a Big 12 school, an SEC school, all in all that were recruiting him and that offered him. I wasn't even aware of it, honestly. Wow. But uh, he was the real deal. 
you think back to some of the guys that, that you were recruiting that maybe did, decided not to come to Missouri State that uh, obviously have gone on and had tremendous careers? Uh, well, we cut a guy once and played professionally. That I can tell you. Don't remember his name. Don't want to. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't think off the top of my head. I'm sure they're out there that are guys that we didn't recruit that have ended up doing well. But, you know, I think I, you can't take everybody that you want, and you can't, and Scott, I think, would agree with this, and you can't take everybody that wants to come. You have limits. You have limits on scholarship. You have limits on roster spots. You have to make decisions. Sometimes you get fooled. We've had guys that didn't turn out good. We've had guys that nobody else recruited that did turn out good. I mean, it's not magic. Yeah, the year I was a GA of Stratton, who had just left Glendale, been out a year, he, he said, once you go over there and watch Kickham's throw, they're throwing tonight against against Kickapoo at Glendale, go watch them, go watch Dan and Mike throw, tell me what you think. And I remember coming back saying, you know, they could pitch for us. They would probably walk on guys for us, but I'm, I'm not quite sure they're scholarship guys for us. One's in the big leagues and one ends up pitching for you and playing for playing in the minor. And they and they bloomed a little late. They bloomed late. That's we, for sure. They went to Crowder, and we didn't do really anything with Mike or Dan out of high school. And they went to Crowder, and then the next summer after their freshman year, Dan didn't pitch much as a freshman. Dan, kick them, kick them. Dan didn't pitch much as a freshman. Mike pitched some. Mike. Kick them. Twins. Oh, okay. Twins. One left, one right. Glendale guys. Oh, okay. Glendale. Yes. And then they were playing out at Barnhouse or Clever or somewhere, and I think we had somebody playing in a game, and Paul or I went out there, and we saw it, and it was different. Part really Bombers. I think they were in town. Yeah. Went out and watched them at Barnhouse or Clever or somewhere, and we said, hey, I came back and I talked to Paul. I said, either we're going to recruit these guys right now, or, or Mike, for sure, he's the one that threw that night. Or we're never going to see him again. There's no way people start seeing him. And uh, we got Mike over to campus. We had no money. Summer deal, we're already out. And uh, got him to come the first year with no scholarship. And some guy quit the semester and we were able to give him a little bit. Went in the sixth round. <clears throat> now that's a little bit of luck and timing and just being there and you saw a guy. and but. He, he bloomed, and he's in there working out today, and he signed with the Red Sox, and he looks very physical, very impressive. Well, we're going to take a quick timeout here and uh, come back and talk a little bit more baseball and ask the coaches about maybe some of the guys that they have coached or played with that uh, maybe some, some of the best players that they've been around, either as a coach or as a player, and I don't care how far we go back, but we'll be right back here on the SNH Farm Supply highlight show for post-game pizza after these messages on the ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the SNH Farm Supply highlight show here on the ESPN Radio Job 98.7. A little hot stove talk here on the Route 66 podcast. And uh, coaches Dave Davis, John Hartley, Coach Keith Gutton, and Coach Scott Nasby along the side. And I'll start with Coach Nasby because you've got to probably get out of here because you've got you got a number of people showing up at your house here in a little bit. Christmas party. Uh, just before the break, kind of tease a little bit about uh, maybe some of the best players that you what they have played for you or, yeah. or maybe that you played with and yeah. uh, and what they've gone on to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, when I was at Missouri State, uh, probably some of the best guys you played with, obviously Brad Ziegler, catching him and 
uh, first semester there I'd never really caught before and that was my way to be on the team so put on the gear and tried to figure it out and with Ziggler it was one two three four five and then blinking one blinking two blinking three because he was you know up top and down below he wasn't just a submarine guy um, but all of this stuff was just nasty you know and so he's got to be one of the top arms that, that I end up playing with um, in terms of the top guys I've coached Trevor's having a ton of success now, obviously being in the big leagues with the Rays. Um, but a guy, Doug Jones, son Fulton Jones, just one of the greatest players I've probably ever coached uh, out of Mansfield. And came to us as a walk-on guy. And, you know, I told him I told him at one point, hey, I don't think you're ever going to play for us, but he continued to work and work and work and did exactly what we asked of him. We'd go up there and get hit half the time and walk the other half. And he was just, he was just a great player. And Fulton Jones, one, one of the most enjoyable players I've been able to coach. And his dad something else. Yeah, you know, Doug was uh, uh, just a tremendous guy, an all-time career leader in, in high school wins in the state of Missouri. And a very good player at SPU. My age, played against. I played against him. Good player. Oh, good player. I went past baseball. He was a uh, traveling gun for softball. Mm -hmm. Somebody'd write him a check for 10 grand, he'd show up and play in a, in a <laughs> tournament. We all would. Well, into it. well he was, yeah. he Nobody was, was writing me one. He was a free agent oh. softball guy before such a thing exists. Wow. I had an opportunity. I played softball with him a couple of times. Uh, Lance Quisenberry, he was a Hartville guy. He was Hartview baseball coach. And then he was at Evangel as a baseball coach. Now he's up uh, at a private school. In Some Christian. Some Christian in, uh, in Kansas City. And he and I played college baseball together. And he got me hooked up, and I went and First time I ever got to meet Doug Jones, and uh, uh, he could scoop it, and he had a gun, and uh, but just a tremendous guy here in the area for for a long, long time. And you mentioned Brad Ziegler, and got a maybe a little announcement that had come out to him with, with well, Brad's going to be our special guest at our Bears first pitch, which is February one, and we're we're happy to have him. We wanted him for a long time, and now he's retired. And ironically, a week prior to that, we just found out he's going into Missouri. Sports Hall of Fame, so he's going to be here for a week. So if you want him on the morning show, you'd probably be able to. Yeah, get him. that'd be great. That'd be, well, that would be awesome. Bring it in. I know Mike would would enjoy that very much. And be very articulate. I I think he could end up on TV if he desired. He's got young kids. I don't know how much he wants to be away, but he'd be excellent on TV. Hopefully, Ziggy's not listening. He's more of a radio guy. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But he can talk. He was a math major that came on academic money and never received a penny of athletic money and was with us five years. All five years? All five years. Never got a dime of athletic coach. was too cheap. And uh, it was funny because Bill O'Neill came in my office and threw a fit, as only Bill could, pounding my desk. Ziggler's getting too much money, too much money, too much money. I go, what are you talking about? I go, he's not on any athletic. He goes, well, He's got this academic, this academic, he's got Walmart, he's got his church, uh, he's got Pell Grant, he's got this, he was making, he had to give some back. <laughs> That's the truth. But sharp guy, very good student. Where's he living now? He's around Kansas City, and he built the spread up there and runs a fantasy football league. And uh, knowing Brad, he invested well. And had something to invest in. He played 11 years. He's big into card collecting too. Right? Oh yeah, memorabilia. Yes. I hope he brings some for our event that we can we can sell. Now, Coach Davis, you know, I'm playing in the 80s and Legion Ball, 
at Hillcrest. First off, I knew you were telling a little bit of a story about how you arrived there as the head coach. My kind of I was um, started teaching in Springville Public Schools in the fall of '82, and I was at Pleasant View then junior high, which was a much better system than middle school, by the way. But that's editorializing in the non-sports area as well. But I was. Uh, one of the first memories I had was uh, one of my students, Todd Stanfield, came up to me in October of 82, and he had a pass to leave at like one o'clock one day. And he's, I said, where are you going? I mean, what, what, it's, it's a Tuesday or Wednesday. He said, um, and he looked down at his feet and kind of did, didn't want to tell me because knowing I was a big St. Louis Cardinal fan, uh, this was October of 82, folks. You know where he was going. He had seats to game seven, or yes, game seven. So he got out a little early to go to that. Anyway, he was at Pleasant View for a year. Um, had a chance to go to Central High School to teach journalism, uh, yearbook and newspaper, which was what my degree area of interest was. But the other opportunity I had was to see I could go to Hillcrest and teach English and become Dick Birmingham's assistant coach. So I chose that. And I've been at Hillcrest ever since, uh, part-time now. Uh, but I eventually became the head coach because a year later at Metter Park in the middle of a game, Dick looks over to me and says, well, this is it. And I looked back at him, jaw dropping. I said, you mean, I said, yeah, this is going to be it. 25 years coaching, that's about right. I'm going to finish out teaching for a couple more years. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's all yours if you want it. And I'm like, I still can, I can remember that so clearly. That's one of these things that you don't, expect and it makes an impact on you and I said yeah sure but had I thought about it it was pretty dumb to try to replace Dick Birmingham I was I was young and not real experienced other than Legion Ball Wars in the summers uh, you know at the younger levels I'd not been a varsity coach yet my first varsity coaching job was at Hillcrest following Dick Birmingham did he leave you good players Dave he left me some fine young men that might have been a little bit green in the, and we... So he timed his departure. Well, I think I get the award for timing because the year I took over varsity coaching was the year Doug Bennett showed up at Hillcrest. Good timing So for I you. think when you talk about good players, uh, I would have to mention Doug is uh, probably the most outstanding uh, that I coached. Uh, drafted by the Mets, uh, had a number in mind and said, if I don't get this number, I'm going to Arkansas. Arkansas had recruited him. Jim Abbott showed me around Michigan. He got to do the whole five visits back there. He kind of wanted to do Arkansas, away from home, but not too far away. And uh, the Mets wouldn't come up, and he wouldn't come down. And if you looked at those numbers today, oh. that's a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some gum from right, him. Right, right. And one of the guys that played with Doug, who you talk about timing, Kids mature at different times, and these coaches you're recruiting now, but they sure look different a year. I had a kid named Todd Samples who uh, ended up getting to double A with the Rangers, and Todd matured late, but I, uh, his last year at Legion Ball, he stole 70 bases, uh, and he had a gun from the outfield, and he could fly. and he had, So he had those tools that back then, I remember all the scouts, and that's probably still the same today. I mean, they've got a gun. They've got a stopwatch. I mean, they're looking for speed. They're looking for power. Now, maybe more than they used to, but they're also looking for the uh, 
the throwing arm and all that. They have all of these metrics they're looking for. It'd be interesting to see where Todd would go today because he lit up. The, uh, I mean, his he lit up a radar gun from center field. I mean, and uh, he could fly. He ended up playing professionally. He, he did a couple, three years in the minors. Ends up going to Italy to play professional baseball for a while, and ends up playing center field and closing. So they would bring him in from center field in the Italian, the Italian league, and he would just come in and throw gas for three innings. I, co- I coached out there. Oh, did you? For six months, Coach Evans got me hooked up. When I you coached in Italy? I coached in Italy. Get out. We played a single game Friday, yeah. and uh, it was all international guys, like guys who were on 50-game suspensions for doing, for doing steroids. Did you have to be part <laughs> Italian? To so, yeah, that? so I didn't get to play for multiple reasons. I couldn't hit, and I wasn't Italian. So they had five guys who didn't speak any Italian. Uh, they only spoke English, so I only spoke English, a little bit of Spanish. The head coach only spoke Italian. Our catcher spoke Spanish and English, so head coach would say something in Italian. Uh, our number two was a pitcher who spoke English and, and uh, Italian, so he would translate it into English. And then our catcher would then translate it to the Venezuelan guys who were suspended for 50 Okay, games. now you're making and stuff then, up. No, I swear, the <laughs> Venezuelan guys would just go crazy, and that team meeting was over. By the, we never even got back. There was no 22nd rule back then. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Small world. What were the parks like? Uh, we, the town I was in was about 1800, uh, a town called Goto. Um, we were the only English-speaking people in town, but the whole town came out. Um, oh. It was similar to like a Metter Park or something, lined with trees. Uh, you know, teams in Anzio and Bologna, down near Rome and Florence. It was good life it, it was experience. A it was, I ran with the Bulls while I was out there. So that was you a, ran with the Bulls? It was a great life experience. I survived. I didn't know this was fast. going. All, I mean, this is you impressive. You I did run fast. <laughs> you ran smart. I ran smart. This is great. This is great. I never knew when we started. We didn't end up in Italy. No, yeah. no. Running with the Bulls. Yeah. That's awesome. Went from Hillcrust to Italy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a. <laughs> well, those teams I remember back in the, you know, I, I was a freshman in 84. Uh, and I had played a little. My dad actually coached a team and had, uh, well, Kyle Spencer, I think he had oh, maybe yeah. made, a, made a trip to visit anyway at Missouri State. Ended up playing Missouri Valley and pitched double or triple A for the Rangers. And then Todd Johnson, who uh, was a local insurance guy here in town, he, he was on that team as well. And uh, he had what a, team was this guy? This was uh, my dad coached the Legion team. He just, just got the patches on it, bought the uniforms, put us all Mount together. Vernon, yeah, that was Mount Vernon. Yeah, Mount Vernon. basically. We had a, I remember Mount Vernon. We had a couple kids from. Uh, was his dad? Okay. Uh, uh, had a couple kids from Lockwood. Had a, a Lockwood kid played shortstop. Ended up playing for you. Uh, I think it's Lockwood Kid. He's now a basketball coach Brett at Bartlett. Brett Bartlett. Oh, good yeah. player. Yeah. I just had a chill. He was with them. Brett Bartlett pretty much owned us. us. Willard, yeah. <laughs> John Legion Brower. Ball. Yep. John Brower. Who, who I saw Harry's a month Rock. ago, John. Wobble. Had, yeah. He's coaching. Coaching. Yeah. He's assistant coach at Wobble. He had Petrie working with a couple of his pitchers. Yep. He showed up in the indoor one day. I haven't seen John in how long? 25 yeah. years. He's assistant coach at Wablo High School. Okay. And he came in and he looked at me like I should have known him like that. And, you know, I can't see anyway anymore very well. I'm, I'm still like, having. All right, you're going to have to help me here. I'm still breaking out in cold sweats over here. The name Brett Bartlett came Brett up. Bartlett? And well, they had that one great team with Ernie Johnson. Ernie oh, Johnson. oh don't even. Oh, uh, 86, maybe? We went 44 and 9 in Legion Ball in 86, and five of the nine losses were to Ernie Johnson. They were good. <laughs> they were real good. And they Brett won the Bartlett, state, I think. They won state in 86. Well, I think it was a matter. Look at the two you just named that Willard had. He had all his guys. 
I had Jeff Burnett and, and a couple more still at Kickapoo at that time. That was before I went to Willow. That was 86. That was in 86. 86, there were, 86 Everson. There was, Corey Kruger was with me, who played for you. And the league was played tough. very well in center field. There were some guys. Well, there were some guys yeah, around there. It was good. a tough league back then. <laughs> well, it, summer ball has changed, as we all know. Yeah. And yeah. that was the choice, and it was good. And now it's, you know, there's not enough good players to supply every team there is, and guys want different things out of summer ball. We had that team, Kyle Spencer, I think, beat Hillcrest one nothing, and he hit a home run in the game to win it. And Never happened. <laughs> then we went out, well, this is when Barnhouse first got built. Okay. And the first home run was hit out of that yeah. in the game that I was playing in. I didn't hit it. Kyle Spencer hit it, but there's still an autographed ball over there. Kyle Spencer. John Richardson was on that team. He's going in the Hall of Fame. And this is a guy, John, John Richardson. It was on that Mount Vernon team. Was he from Miller? Yes. Was he the track guy that was a phenomenal yes. athlete? He, he won six golds at the state track meet in 85 as a sophomore. And then from then on. Was he a thrower? On, was he a thrower? Yeah, he threw the track? disc, the shot. and he was, Big guy. Yeah, six, nine, six, seven, six, eight. But he was a hurdle, too. I mean, he won the 300-meter hurdles, 100-meter hurdles. They won the long jump and then shot and discus. <laughs> I remember that. And that summer, he was playing for us. And he's, at that time, on these slow radar guns, he's hitting 90, 91. That'd be about 120 now. Yeah, this is his senior year. And the Yankees come in, and they offer him a contract. Both mom and dad won't let him sign because he's not 18. Well, he was going to AAU track meets that summer. So he missed games. And he goes over to Kansas. And Missouri didn't have the javelin throw. Well, they had it in Kansas. And uh, coach said, uh, anybody want to throw this javelin? Richardson had never seen one. Picks it up, break, breaks the freaking Junior Olympic world record. The first time he ever picked it up. So from that time on, where did he, he go to college? Tennessee. And then he was in the 96 Olympics. I went down, that's when Jason Pyra ran. And I was at the, I was in the park on the bottom of in the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. And then Richard, just, there's a new movie on that. Yes, I haven't seen it yet. Yes, Richard Jewell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did. Ira and Lori Endicott both. At that time, we had two of them. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't see. I watched Pyra run his race, and then uh, I watched John throw. He was an alternate, but he just warmed up. He didn't get to actually throw the javelin. He must have had a good launch angle. Yes. Well, he came back when I was at Mickey Owens. He came back when he was probably 23 or 24, and one, he said, I blew it, I should have signed, can I get signed? And I said, I don't know, I'll ask if we can get some back. Gerard Fleekscales, who was the head um, scout for the Atlanta Braves. He's the athletic director in Indiana State right now. Yes, he's a Michigan State guy. Notre Dame. Oh, it was Notre Dame? And then he pitched for the Braves, but he was the head scout. And so Coach Fowler, Joe Fowler, makes a call to Gerard and says, hey, I got a guy that Probably gonna hit 90. Would you come down and watch him? I'll be in town anyway. And so he came down and he's got Richardson on, Richardson on the gun. He's hitting 96, 97. <laughs> and he's in high top tennis shoes, untied, shorts, and a tank top. And Keith tells us, hey, if, uh, if you get 100 on this gun, it's all signed. I'll sign it today if you get 100. He goes out and runs. 
play some long toss with me. 96 wasn't good enough? No, not at 24. <laughs> if you can go up get three outs, it doesn't matter what your age is or anything else. Well, he ties his shoes, gets back on the mound at 99, 99, 99, 99. He goes, I'm sorry, I can't do it. He goes, that's why he's not scouting anymore. And he told me, he said, uh, please go, I don't think this guy goes to 100. <laughs> That's why he's not scouting anymore. He's, he's not getting a nine-year contract. Yeah. <laughs> but those were, I mean, John was probably the best athlete I that I've ever been around as far. I mean, because he could have, he had a full ride to USA middle linebacker, could play Division One quarterback, uh, probably could have played Division One basketball, and then went and obviously could play professional baseball. He went, he went track and field and. He's, uh, but he was, a, he was a tremendous actor. I saw him one time in a high school football game, his sophomore year, take a snap at his own 30, run around in the backfield for a little bit, get to about the 25, 26, and throw it through the other goalpost. I mean, he just had a cannon. And, I mean, he could tie your shoes and fix your tie at the same time. His arm for so long. Coach Nasby could appreciate it. A couple names I thought of from Glendale that I never forget. Brad Simmons. And, <laughs> Billy Barnes, Bobby, the Barnes kid, yeah. totally different. Little, he was a Little shorter right-handed, right over here. Short right here. And Brad Simmons, of course, side with the Mets was nasty. And those guys, I got to face the that was, Glendale won two state championships in the 70s. Yeah, you guys all, you two have been in Springfield and you in this area a lot longer. I mean, three of the best arms that I know I'm leaving a lot of guys out, probably some that played for me, Will listen to me mad, but Brad Simmons, <laughs> Doug Bennett, mm -hmm. and John Barrett. Uh, yeah. John Barrett might have been performance the best high school pitcher I've ever seen on one day. You know how he lost in the uh, playoffs his senior year? They're playing Joplin, and John knows what that means to an old Hornet like me. Some battles, and we're playing. And Co Coach Agler's here. They're out there playing Joplin, and somehow, some guy closed his eyes and hit an opposite field homer off of him to tie it. So it's one to one. Hillcrest wasn't scoring any. They got a guy at second, in like the sixth inning, seventh inning ball game. John turns to throw a pickoff throw to second. Gets past the shortstop. Gets past the center fielder. Game and season will end in about 30 minutes at 2-1. to one. I mean, you couldn't beat him with the bat, but he was just one of those stupid, you know, and the ball took a stupid hop in center field. Because I had John in he class. He never picked it second again. I'm no, thinking. probably not. I had John in class, and I just was like, he just was just, oh, my gosh. What a fluky, horrible way to end your high school career. But, uh, I mean, and they didn't score any, so there's – but he was uh, – Yeah, great stuff. Oh, uh, the day Bennett signed with Arkansas, you know, hit Glendale. I'll never forget that day. That was quite a day. And we even got Chad Lakin out. We had trouble getting Chad Lakin out, so we knew we had a chance. We got, Chad was very Chad was a good player. Yeah. Watch, watch this. So we were on the same team together in 74 as seniors at Central. David played, I didn't. But we were on the same team together. <laughs> which is all fine because that gets lost in the story a lot. But who was you facing the day your season, your, your high school career ended, David?
from Independence Van Horn. Well, he's a he's the last time I would say Central was in the quarterfinals. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would venture to say, guy was six six and his name was Rick Sutcliffe, and he took care of us. We lost uh, that three to one, two to one. I thought it was one to nothing. We something. had one hit. Yeah, my, we did. Randy yeah. Randy Bazard's little brother Daryl. Accidentally, who was your Cecil coach in that? Uh, the coach Kenny was Judd Whitlinger, but he couldn't coach that year because of a heart problem. Kenny Williams. So Ken Williams stepped up, yeah. and Bob Kinlock assisted him. Good old Bob, yes. With Bob. this red man playing card yeah. that David published in the <laughs> Central uh, School newspaper. We had minor a league training great college. time. So if you get gotten a wrestling match that day, you'd be fine with Bob. Yeah. yeah, we got beat by Rick Sutcliffe. And he threw so hard, and he was six six. And here, it came. and then after the game, somebody from Van Horn, a parent from Van Horn, told a parent from Central, he's been having some arm problems, so he's really not. Well, he was, shut up. <laughs> he was throwing gas. I don't, don't tell us he's having arm problems. They, yeah, that was quite. He was a, good on ESPN for years. Yeah, he's, he's got a very dis, he distinguishes his voice. He's got a little bit different delivery there. Well, we need to take another time out so Coach Nasby can get home and uh, stay out of trouble, keep me out of trouble. But Coach Nasby, thanks so much for coming down today. Thank you very much, Travis. Yeah. Step away, take a quick time out. You're listening to the Route 66 podcast on the SMH Farm Supply High School Highlight Show here on Jock 98.7. Back after these messages from ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the SMH Farm Supply Highlight Show here on Jock 98.7. Our first segment, our first show as part of the Route 66 podcast and we're post-game pizza in Ozark, Missouri. Coach Nasby had to uh, go take care of some duties here. We still have uh, Coach Keith Gutton from Missouri State, Coach Hartley, uh, and Coach Dave Davis. And we were talking a little bit about some of the changes that have gone on just over the past, well, since I've been playing, basically. You know, you go back to the, the early 80s to mid-80s, and things have changed so much. I mean, obviously, you've got so many schools now that have turf fields. So you can get outside more often, uh, you can, and they, you know, they use them for softball as well. But you're outside more often. Obviously, the equipment has changed uh, with the bats and the balls and the cleats and things like that. The nutrition, all of those things have changed. But you know, when I was growing up, it was it was all legion ball. And you wanted to. I can remember being in the eighth grade and playing at that down on my burn field, just playing a little papery baseball, and then here come Todd Johnson. You know, he had his metal spikes on walking down and playing Legion at, at uh, Republic. But I know some things have changed just for you guys as well. Not only being high school coaches at four time, and Coach Gatton coached Legion baseball for a time as well. So lots of things have changed. John probably knows more than anybody. I've probably experienced more of the spectrum than, than the other two guys, but having been a coach at two high schools and one college, but in summer ball, so deep into American Legion, and then so deep into into travel baseball. Sometimes they, they use the wrong words, I think, when they talk about travel, travel clubs. Uh, the word select gets thrown around. I don't believe in that word. Uh, premier and different things. The bottom line is you are traveling, but the traveling aspect when I became aware of it in 2001 and then bought into it fully in 2005 a lot of it had to do and I'm going to blame indirectly Coach Gutnick 
college coaches. I'm next to you. Blame me directly. Well, <laughs> college coaches didn't want to spend a lot of time to watch one player in a remote location. And you could call even Springfield remote if that if they were coming to only watch Doug Bennett. Um, they wanted to be able to go to a spot and see multiple kids play multiple games in a in a short amount of time to maximize their recruiting dollar, I'm assuming, and and their eyes as well. And Legion Ball did not afford that. Even in our best years in the late 80s when you played, and we were talking about some of those guys, um, maybe the 4th of July holiday tournament in those days, maybe. But most of the time we were playing in a league. I know when David and I started at Kickapoo, our best trip was to Tulsa. And then when David was at Hillcrest, he'd go to, to Bartlesville and some other place, oh, yeah. Omaha maybe. In Omaha a couple times. But that was essentially travel ball, but David's teams at Hillcrest back then and my teams at Kickapoo were the equivalent of 417 or the Midwest Nationals. Because, I mean, the guys I had in the early 80s, early mid-80s, I'd stack that team up against all the select teams in Isaiah and David's teams in the late 80s, my goodness. But those things changed and and times, times were we're moving and, and we were actually trying to translate the game into what we were trying to get kids to college, hopefully getting them drafted, but usually that had to come from the college coaches. So I, I think that that was the biggest thing that, and that in the Legion rules got way out of whack and became very difficult to meet. Uh, and so Times changed, and you either change, and people talk about how they wish they were the way before, but nothing in life is the way it, it was. It's not going back. It's not going no. back. So you, you move with it, and there's a lot of really good things in travel ball. Uh, families from, and, and in, in my group, the 417 group, and I'm not trying to just put a plug in, but I have a lot of small school kids. I don't have kids from Willard or Kickapoo hardly at all maybe one or two, but I mean, I've got the best player in Greenfield. I've got the best, I've got the best player in Golden City. No one sitting here would know who that is right now. Uh, and they're getting an opportunity to get in front of, even if it's an NAIA coach, they're getting an opportunity. Well, it, it's still about providing kids opportunities. And if one of them gets picked up by Coach Gut, great. I mean, I've had many kids go play for Coach Gut. Coach Nasby, you got three of mine right now, maybe more. I mean, I've got a half a dozen of SBU. Well, their opportunity for them to trade that off to keep playing ball while they're getting their education is invaluable. So times have just changed. You know, I can remember as, you know, as a player, obviously I played Legion ball, then I coached, you know, kind of start helped start a program in Bolivar, and that's kind of when it started, you know, 96, 97, you start kind of seeing then when those Legion rules, I can remember driving to every high school, trying to get enrollments and getting signatures yeah. and trying to send it down to Cape Girardeau and get all that stuff taken care of. And there were a couple kids that, you know, I told them I'd release you to go play Conical Quarries or go play wherever you wanted to. But you, I, I, I said, the only requirement is you come to my tryout and meet me and then I'll sign it right there. But if you don't come to my tryout, I'm not releasing. You know, I want to at least let you experience what I'm doing. And, and we put a lot of kids, <coughs> You know, the program had a couple of kids that 
you know, Randon Sainer and Gus Marsala end up at, at Missouri State. We had a lot of some kids get into to Bolivar or to Southwest Baptist University and college of the Ozarks and, and things like that. And, but now it's just, I don't think as many kids are playing. And I don't know if it's a cost factor or if it's, and I, and I hate to see this too, is that there's a lot of kids maybe specializing in basketball or specializing in you know, cross country or football or something like that where I think, and, and I was an, I played every sport. You know, I played tennis and baseball and, and football and basketball. I think parents want value for their money. And if they feel like they're going to get that in a good summer program, whether it be Legion or 417 or with the Nats, then they're all in for that. And that's their right. You know, that's their money. And they can spend it how they see fit. And like I said off air, I think get the best competition you can, which will bring out the best in you and let people evaluate you. Uh, get the best exposure. Go to places where there's coaches from every level that can evaluate you and try to get the best instruction you can during the summer as well. And that's a, and if that's Legion ball, great. If it's travel ball, select ball, whatever you want to call it, that's great. That's your money. That's your choice. And I don't think one should be critical of the other. I mean, it's no different than basketball, cheerleading, which I had a little, hand, a little experience with, <laughs> swimming, on and on. It's now bloomed into virtually every sport or probably started in basketball but you know when I coached Legion guy there was nothing else and it was I mean it was like you guys down here coaching it you had some good players it was good baseball I think the thing that I long for that's not coming back in the summer is that the team aspect was different than it is with travel ball uh, just by definition there you weren't your goals were different um, you want to win a state championship? You want to win a state championship. I used to make this little stupid talk with my guys, and I don't think any of them really got it at the time. But I just did it probably for myself more than – which I would say so many of them were hung up on where they're going to play college ball. If they're going to play college ball, where are they going to play college ball? When they get to college, Dave, it changes from are they going to play pro ball. And I said <laughs> – I said I would say something cheesy like, look around. These are the guys you grew up with. These are the guys you're going to remember all your life. And how this season goes and this experience you have together should be valued. You should appreciate this. Because when you leave here and go play for a JUCO in the middle of Kansas, or you go play in AI ball in northern Missouri, it's not going to be the same. You're not going to have people in the stands who care a whole lot about you like the people in the stands here do. And I tried to get them to enjoy that experience in Legion Ball. Now I think it's contingent on high school coaches 20, 20 to do that. 20 years later, they're understanding that very much. Well, because essentially, so. <clears throat> when you're done playing, and most guys are done after high school and college. Right, most guys all you have All you have is the memories and relationships. It's all you got. Yeah. And you, and you don't, you know, it doesn't have to be. It's not an unsuccessful career if you don't make it to college or you don't exactly. make it to pro ball. Exactly. This is what you got, and you remember. I, I just, most of you guys, I didn't say that, most of you aren't going to play college baseball. You know, most of you aren't that good. So, now, we had a run there for three or four years where most of them were that good, and they got to play somewhere. So, I feel like it's more contingent now on high school coaches to make that experience happen. And really, I hope that's what's going on. I think it is in most high school sports. Everybody's 
you kind of get that. That's that's football. That's basketball. You know, you are a team. These are the buddies you grew up with. These are the people that matter. But uh, you, Legion Ball was an extension of that, and it just was more special because it was the Legion Ball man. You're playing sixty games. You're playing. You know, it was your. You talk about your life. It was your parents' life. It was. Well, now, I think too. Correct me if I'm wrong. And where I coach Legion, we had two high schools together, and the, and the private school kids in that area. But I thought the quality of Legion baseball was a little bit higher than than high school. Yeah, yeah. and you had the kids coming back who were young yeah. enough to do yeah. it. And, yeah. And yeah. it was hot out instead of cold. Yeah, exactly. it was baseball season. Baseball yeah, you weather. were in rhythm to play. Sure, sure. And I. If you and now you have to play travel ball. There's almost nothing else right now, and you, you're going to give up a little of that, I think. But that's like you said, change happens. John says you can't take, turn the clock back. Those days are. Well, uh, you give up totally what you're talking about. The the concept of being with the same guy from March to the end of July. You give that up at the end of May at the state finals if you're lucky enough to get that far. What what they replace that with though. And like Coach Gutton says, you go to play against the best competition you can. Now they're getting phone numbers that they're texting guys with. We go to San Antonio and we're playing against somebody that's signed with Texas. Three years later, we find out the guy's drafted. An outfielder named Keys. Totter jumped over to the top of a fence and robbed him of a home run. He's telling that if Totter hit a home run in the Milwaukee Brewers spring training home in Phoenix, You'll be the only Willard High School kid that'll ever do that. I say that aggressively. I think so, that, you know, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts, but high school baseball, you're trying to win a state championship. Everybody's got the same Period. Goal. That's right. Summer ball, from a player's perspective, you're trying to move on. You're trying yeah. to be seen. Now to that's showcase yourself and your own abilities. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it is what it is. That is what it is. It goes a little bit from we to me. Just by the nature of there is no Legion ball in our area anymore to speak of. A little bit, but not like it used to be, and it'll probably never be that way again. And I think, you know, that's too bad, but it is. It's not going back? No, it's not going back. Summer baseball now is about moving up the ladder. It's almost many, many minor league. Player development. It's all about can I get better for the next year, for the next year, so that Coach Gunn is going to. But I think you made a good point, John, about when you started out and you were at Willard and the first two guys went away. <laughs> and, and Mike Essick, who I respect a great deal, was a great coach. I remember when this whole thing started, Mike was dead against it. And then he had, uh, you know, whether it was Dallas Ford or the big left-hander, Stilson, Tom Stancer, Lucas Harrell, Lucas and, Harrell. All and all these guys went away and they came back and they went to state. And Mather went again. Yeah. Went again. And they all came back and they yep. were a little bit better because they played against better people. And, uh, you know. And did those guys play football and basketball? Did they play something else? Uh, don't. Lucas Harrell did. Yeah, Lucas was really Which I just, we were talking about that off mic earlier. It was like you as a coach, as a college coach, you kind of like to see I like the multi sport athlete. You know, I'm old. Well. And, uh, but I, I just think the pressure of being a quarterback of being a state championship wrestling match when it's one-on-one. -on -one. You know, Jake Berger was a hockey player. Tate Matheny was a hockey player. Uh, I personally like it. Now, we grew up, guys, when there was no fall baseball. No. When we didn't have great places to train in the winter. So we played multiple sports year-round, and it was what it was. But now they have options. I'll give you a multi-sport athlete to play for you 
played three sports at Willard, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's one of the best athletes athletes you've had in Alex Manor. Good. Uh, I mean, what an athlete! Yeah, yeah. He, he couldn't be tackled in high school football unless he just decided to step out of bounds. Yeah. And he could score at will in basketball. He, he played his senior year of baseball. Hit 400 for me with a broken shoulder or something and went on to play for you for three years. You know, and, and, and the football part is, do you risk injury? I mean, that's, you know, if, Scott if, if you're a pitcher and you know you're going to be a high draft and somebody falls on your shoulder, yep. I mean, that's risking uh, something. Yep. And Scott was a great athlete. Cost Seneca probably his senior year of football. We had a guy, we had a guy who just signed the balls from Fayetteville, Arkansas High School, uh, towards ACL in the second game. Football. Boom. Good receiver, good high school receiver. And he says he'll be back playing in the spring. You want to play, you play. Tate McNeely called me for his senior year of high school. He said, Coach, uh, he was a very good hockey player. He said, I don't think I'm going to play hockey. I said, Your choice. You do what you want to do. I don't care. Doesn't bother me. Call me back a week later. Coach, I'm going to play hockey. <laughs> he was a big scorer in hockey. Yeah. But, uh, whatever. Now, Tate's. Boston, is he in double-A? He's got the triple-A for a cup of coffee at the end of the year. Uh, I would say if he's healthy and performs, he might start in triple-A. What positions he play? Not center. I think he's more of a corner, corner right outfield. Now. And he was never a speedster, but technically probably the best outfielder. We've had some good center fielders, but Tate was, he had been around Jim Edwards. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, as far as a guy, didn't have a great arm. But I've never seen a guy as accurate moving to his left or right, coming up and throwing to a base for a person. I mean, it's just so fundamentally sound. He lived at the stadium in spring training. Well, gentlemen, I've, actually, I've absolutely had a ball tonight, and uh, you know this couldn't have went better for me in the in the Route 66 podcast. And this is an hour of great radio, and uh, I certainly appreciate you guys giving up. Uh, your evening to come down and be a part of it. This has been uh, this has been great. Ninety-eight days till season opens, May twenty, March twenty-six. College season, fifty-seven days. Fifty-seven for you. And I'm just behind that with the covenant. So. Actually, eight weeks from t- tomorrow. So, so a couple months. A couple months for us. Good. Uh, yeah. I know that I, I joined Coach Gutton though in saying we hope Coach Rowe gets feeling better. Yeah, he's. I talked to him before. He just he was talked out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he'd be a great addition. Oh, yeah. As with Strap. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we, we, <laughs> Stratton's we, not talked out on yours either. No, Wherever he no, is. No. Wherever he is. We're, hey, Mark. If, if, if we've got a sore throat, he can pick us up. That's right. I probably talk too much in this uh, one. So I tell it's you what, fun. I enjoy it. The, the, the funniest thing or the most amusing thing when I'm trying to set this up, I'm worried about everybody's schedules. Do you know whose schedule is booked the heaviest? Coach Rowe. Coach Rowe. It's, the retired he, one yeah. that just – just turned 80 mm-hmm. December 4th. Oh, my gosh. Yes, indeed. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It's thank you for having us. I look forward to the next one, maybe in a couple of months. And I know you'll be, you guys will be on the way. This, but this helps be... me prove my current students at Hillcrest, my broadcast students, that I actually was a coach. Oh, because yeah. they call me that, but they don't sometimes know why. It just <laughs> got passed and down. And the pizza was good, too. Yes. And we always pizza. appreciate coming in here. Jacob, I think he showed up here at Post Game Pizza. But, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Appreciate and, uh, you having us, sir. Thank you.
come back after these messages. We'll talk a little bit about the blue and gold and the high school Christmas tournaments that are all coming up. We'll run through the schedules and give everybody an update there and maybe a little Christmas story as well. Certainly appreciate everyone tuning in, and we'll be back after these messages from the Radio.